Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club. And they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are now rocking with your boy, I'll be sure. And what a stressful game that was as Texas Tech outlasts the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Uh and here to just break down that stressful game with me, I first got to start it off with Miss Girl Power herself, Kenzie Garcia. Uh, what's up, Kens? I am in need of an oxygen tank, probably a little less alcohol, and a nap. <laughs> and uh, Mr. People's Champ, who was wide awake for that game, um, and was and we talk about our chat a lot of the times, uh, Mr. Optimism as well. Jeremy Gillen. What's up, Jerm? Hey, I'm I am here glad to report that we're going we are going to the sweet 16. Man, that feels good cuz that was a game that for about 80% of it I thought we're never going to make it to the sweet 16. <laughs> so you know what's 16. funny? I'm usually pretty level-headed. Like I'm usually pretty level-headed I would think when it comes to these these games and situations. I'm not going to lie to you. I, and I guess and it's really tough right being a player cuz like as level-headed as I usually am during the season when these things happen cuz at the end of the day most of the times like if we take a loss it is the worst thing in the world, right? Like in the, in the TCU game. Remember the TCU game earlier like we lost that game it sucked. But uh, we live to fight another day. This is literally we don't get to, we don't live to fight another day if we lose. So with that heightened pressure, like I'm legitimately getting nervous there in the second half, at the end of the second half, right? I, I I put in the chat that at one point in the second half, Notre Dame was playing confidently, they were playing loosely, and there were times where it really seemed like Tech offensively was pressing, right? There was a there was a moment where Terrence Shannon does a, a nice little move, jump stop in the middle of the of the of the paint, and just stops. And and he no longer is as confident. He's looking around to pass it out instead of, you know, normally in another time when he's more confident, it just does that jump stop and, and raises up for a nice floater or a nice midi. 
but it just it, it, everything just felt so tight. And uh, yeah, no, at that time, I, I definitely was like, ah, I felt just as tight. Is this it for us? Um, and Kenzie, I know you were just as nervous. Yeah, I mean, you guys know me. I'm super reactionary, but it just it, it felt it. The vibes just felt bad. I mean, you described it the way that they were playing so confidently and you get one of two Texas Techs towards the end of games. You get the one that showed up at number one Baylor and got that upset, which fortunately we got today. And then you get the other one that might scrap back into it. And then like some guys try and play hero ball and then it just it falls off the rails. That's kind of what I felt like was going to happen. Maybe we'd stay around, we'd get a couple of buckets and, and, and just throw it away. And I can't, I'm so relieved that the former came, that the Texas Tech team who plays tough, gritty defense showed up and maybe got a little help from the refs, but we still did it. And that's all that matters. Hey, I ain't gonna lie to you. I was joking about a pre-pod. We complain about the refs all the time. Um, the refs had our back in this one. <laughs> I can't even front. I cannot even front. There were a couple calls that I was like, ooh, even as a, if I was an ND fan, I'd be pretty upset right now, right? We got, we did get some, some favorable calls at the end, but, um, but just like I always say, that's not the reason why we lose games. It's also not the reason why we won games. A big reason why we won this game at towards the end was just when all seemed lost, an injection of energy came in. And that injection of energy goes by the name of Marcus Santos Silva. Like, this was his shining moment. Listen, when they talk about the one shining moment, I want that block to be in the uh, um, the montage at the end of this, reg- this tournament because that block was everything. And after that, to sink those free throws, the worst free throw shooter on the team, shooting 46% of the year to make on a one-on-one to make both free throws when it was absolutely needed was amazing, Jeremy. That might one of that might be one of my favorite just overlooked storylines in this game because it, it is not something that you're worried about the whole game. It's not something you're gonna be thinking about at the end. Santos Silva like injured his hand, and I cannot remember what game it was. Um, was it in the Big 12 tournament? Obviously it was. I think it was against Oklahoma, maybe. Um, injured his shooting hand. And I remember tweeting like right after it's like, oh my gosh, he's holding that hand and he's gonna take free throws, and they were ugly. And I was like, oh shoot, that sucks. Um but we forgot about it because Santos Silva wasn't taking free throws after that. And But what happens is all of a sudden we're playing Notre Dame and the game gets really close. And who gets fouled at the end? Uh, Santos Silva. And when Santos Silva was stepping up to the stepping up to the charity stripe there, I thought this would be the worst way. I think even for him to like to to you have this moment to have some clutch free throws and put your team like firmly in the like in the lead. That's more than one possession. And you're actually like you're injured. And I don't think it's I don't think it's like fair to really put that pressure on a guy. But there you are. I mean, you're in it. And so, you know, you have all of Texas Tech. You got Santos Silva's mom on the side doing the voodoo magic, holding everybody's hands. Um, It's just a crazy moment for Texas Tech basketball. And from what we know, uh, via Carlos Silva, who's a reporter for Tech Media, um, said that, you know, Santos Silva, when he was responding, responding to questions, said, once I got fouled, my teammates told me they had, they all had confidence in me, right? But Davion Warren came up to me and told me, do it for your dad, do it for your dad. And before I shot, I just looked at Davion and I told him, I got you. And I just did my normal routine and they both went in. And so I think that really one kind of preludes to like this family orientation. Like this tech team is so 
fitted together. And we've talked about that a couple times throughout the season. This is such a tight team because we were talking about beforehand. Albie said, if somebody told me that, I'd be, I'd be upset. That's not something you really talk about in a big game like this. But I think that that speaks to Warren and Sil- uh, Silva's just relationship. And so, and they both went in. So massive on his, on, a, on his not dominant shooting hand. Like an incredible story behind two free throws that put us up more than one possession in a game where Notre Dame at any moment could hit a three. And that was also super frustrating. Yeah, no, I mean, Davion knows Marcus, right? <clears throat> he knows what's going to work for him. If I was, the, if I, I, I was, what Jeremy was saying is, is that me personally, it's too much pressure. Don't put that pressure on me. I can't handle it, right? <laughs> but, but Davion knows that Marcus could, and it looked like Big Louie w- went out and made, the, made sure those free throws went in. So um, absolutely huge clutch free throws. That block right before those free throws and that rebound was also gi- gigantic, and it sealed the deal. It, that, that sequence really won the game here for us. But let's talk about the game. So, so let's kind of backtrack a little bit. So before the game, uh, all of Tech Media – Kind of, kind of got a hint at a, a little clip of Coach Mike Bray from Notre Dame, kind of just talking about the big bad, Big Twelve Red Raiders from Texas Tech, right? Kind of mocking us a little bit, mocking what what we what we are, who we are, um, and that got around. I mean, all of earlier today, all of Tech Media was sharing it, and it got to the players. Players saw it, uh, coaches saw it, they all saw it, uh, and early on. That physicality was there. Early on, you could tell they played with that little bit of a chip. They played very physical, very aggressive. And for the first 15 minutes, Notre Dame only scored 20 points. Uh, But eventually, Notre Dame kind of seemed to ease into the game. This is a team that only goes seven deep. And we thought that'd be our advantage a little bit. But because of the what methodically how we play, it kind of played in a little bit of Notre Dame's hands. And eventually, as the game went on, they got more comfortable. Uh, I mean, what did you think about that just that early on, Kenzie? Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought in my head, okay, they're running on adrenaline, but this is their third game in five days. Eventually, they're going to tire out. Like, this is just, this is going to be a physical basketball game on both ends of the floor. And they hadn't really had to do that the last two games. They were in offensive shootouts. But then in the second half, I mean, you got I've said this once, I'll say it again. Spastic white guys who can shoot the three. They just, they torture tech. And they had like three of them. There's three white guys that can shoot the three on this team. So... Fortunately, Cormac Ryan didn't go off quite as much as he did against Alabama, but like, you know, you still had Dane Goodwin running around. Lashesky didn't have much of a game, but like, they they were playing confident, and those two guys specifically, Ryan and Goodwin, were really on it in that little stretch in the second half. And and frankly, I, I was ready to pack it in. I was scared that they were just going to catch fire and it was going to be like Alabama, and they were just going to shoot us out of the gym. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Notre Dame is a good shooting team. And even Chris Level, a week ago when we were talking about this, he, he mentioned how matchup-wise, and and we mentioned again also uh, when we were talking about it later on, that matchup-wise, Notre Dame f- does what Tech struggles with, which is not just shooting the three ball, but also they're really good at spreading this no middle defense thin. So what ended up happening in this game is every time ND was able to drive in or get the ball low in the post or something, what our defense does is we crash in on the ball, but if we, our rotations aren't tight, it leaves three-point shooters open. And that was happening a few times. Now, even with all that being said, we still held ND to only 32% shooting from three. 
right? That's still a positive. Like, I know a lot of the times you look at it and it seems like MD shot 80% from three, but then you look at the box score and are like, ah, well, that wasn't that bad, right? The defense was still tight. And also, MD only scored 53 points in this game. Like, even I caught myself doing him like, man, this defense is not the same. And then you look and you're like, well, at the same time, they're still not scoring points. <laughs> Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, this is a Notre Dame team that is uh, lavished with the ability to score 80 points any given night. And it comes down to those guys like uh, Cormac Ryan, like Dane Goodwin, um, the people that could just go electric from beyond the arc. And they started to. And I was with with Kinsey that going into this game, you know, Notre Dame playing three games in five days, that's tough for any team, right? And you expect attrition with, okay, they only run seven dudes. No way they're going to be able to keep this momentum up the whole game. And it actually came, they came out in the second half with a lot more vigor. And they started hitting more uh, buckets, like they started hitting more threes in, in the second half than they were in the first. And so it kind of like, ugh. Um, But remembering that, I think, like, it feels like a bad game, but it was actually a really good game for Tech in a lot of ways, right? We And I think something that Mark Adams pointed out after the last game with the presser is like, this is not normal. Like, Tech scoring 90 points. That ain't normal. That's not going to happen. Like, that's not his brand of basketball. He's not worried about that at all. He wants to play his brand of basketball, which is defense. And that last sequence especially, fouls or not, um, like, that's Texas Tech basketball. Like, it's making the frust- making the clutch moments for other teams extremely frustrating that they do dumb things, like pass it out of bounds, like look to the wrong guy, like don't take easy shots that they could make at the top of the arc. Um, so when you look at it, like, the Irish were in this game because they're fantastic shooters and they were making buckets and we were like missing easy layups. But when it came down to it, um, the defense came like defense came out ahead because it's what you needed at the end of the game and Notre Dame didn't have it. And we did. So talking about missed layups, that's the theme of this game offensively. So tech was getting to the rack. Like it wasn't like tech was just struggling so terribly offensively and not getting anything going. I think that's where they were losing their confidence late in the second half because they were getting to the rack. They had, but they were missing so many layups, arms, McCuller, O'Banner, just layup after layup, Williams, layup after layup that was just being missed. Most of them contested. I'm not saying that they were wide open layups by any means, but they were still just right there that just were getting missed. And luckily, because ND was also missing middies and short range shots on their own side, it was able to help, but it's something that just cannot carry on. Well... Yeah, and so for me, looking at this game, I feel like we really kind of threw the whole we threw the whole house into that first game against Montana State. Everybody was electric. I mean, you look at this game, really, I'm comfortable when Texas Tech has four people in double digits because I feel like this is a team that can get that. I mean, you got, you got two bigs in O'Banner and Williams who get a lot around the post. You got McCuller who can hit at multiple ranges. Donis Arms can get hot at any moment hitting the three. And Terrence Shannon. Terrence Shannon should be the should be the guy for Texas Tech and came out really flat this game. Well, at the same time, I like I, I want to know something happened there, and I and, I, and the press I think is still going, or, or I haven't really seen much about from it. But Terrence Shannon only played eighteen minutes in this game, and it was really weird. He wasn't in foul trouble. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious if maybe there was his back flared up or what. It seemed as if, especially in the second half, coach was really playing the matchups and trying to see when he was in. And maybe it's a situation where Terrence wasn't, just wasn't athletically in it. And they were just trying to save him for certain moments. I, I couldn't tell. I have no idea. And I, I'm not here to question Mark Adams or anything like that. I just, I, I would like to know, you know, there was, I was put in the chat of, 
you know, when we need offense, why is Malik Wilson in the game and not Terrence Shannon? You know, just certain things just didn't make much sense to me. So I would definitely like to know if something was up. Terrence Shannon, quiet game, only three points in this game, but most of that is because he barely played. Um, and so especially he, he was a starter, played a lot, played, you know, a good eight, ten minutes in the first half. But in the second half, it kind of just seemed like he was only there for for rotation advantages. Um, any other rotation quirks that you found weird, Kenzie? No, I mean, I think, I think it was this was just a game kind of based on matchups, and it wasn't really a game where you know we saw Bacho kind of coming in a little bit, and you saw Nadolny coming in a little bit, but I think this was a game where you kind of knew where the hot hands were, even if it didn't feel hot. O'Banner and Williams were kind of the guys taking care of business, and then everybody else was just kind of auxiliary to the play. I would have liked to seen some more out of some other guys. I mean, I think. I was a little bit disappointed in Davion Warren. I feel like I feel like this was a game where he could have kind of maybe left his mark. We needed a takeover guy, especially with Shannon not getting a lot of minutes. And it, it felt forced. I feel like he was forcing a lot of shots. Fortunately, he wasn't turning the ball over, which tends to be what makes me mad at him. But it, it just felt forced. So I'm glad that it worked out the way it did. But that could have been that fourth guy in double digits. And, you know, maybe we'll get him against Duke. No, I, to be fair, Kenzie also remember that the, the Davion Warren game, if you remember earlier this season, Kenzie dropped in the chat just like how frustrating he was early in the game. And then he won off like 20. So now it's just now it's just a running meme <laughs> that Kenzie does to really lift Davion's spirits. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> bullying does work, people. I'm a, you know, bullying works. So, um, well, I will say this. I, we do not win this game without one part, without one main guy. The player of the game, no question, was Kevin O'Banner. Kevin O'Banner played, fa- he actually, and they kept him out there so long. I was like, man, this guy is exhausted. <laughs> He's, he needs to take a break. He needs to sit. And you can kind of tell. He is kind of, especially with like four minutes to go in the game, he's kind of uh, 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 lagging there just because he's been out so long. But I get it. I mean, he 15 points, 15 rebounds. All, he was, when we needed, I mean, we had the size advantage in this game, but Notre Dame was playing scrappy. Uh, Wesley was out here. I mean, the small guy was out here getting boards, right? Goodwin was getting boards. They were playing very scrappily. But O'Banner, man, was just getting rebounds after rebounds. That one rebound that he just stole from Atkinson and then just just threw the ball back up there to get the foul call was huge. Was huge. Got him two more free throws on at the line as well. Um, he it just, And this was a game where he wasn't really shooting it well, right? Six for 13 from the field, one for four from three, but he impacted the game in other ways. That was huge. Um, O'Banner. And I will say this, Arms, another guy that didn't shoot very well in this game. Also, great defense from Adonis Arms. Also had seven rebounds in this game as well. And had and was our, like, and I'm actually looking at the box score right now. And the box score saying what I'm thinking was a really good facilitator in this game. It was really good at passing the ball as well. Uh, those are two guys that definitely deserved their flowers in this game. And I don't think we even, I don't, we can't win this game without them. The only other guy I'd put in that conversation that actually played longer than O'Banner was is Kevin McCuller. Um, somebody who's responding, I think, really well to the ankle injuries that he's experienced this year. I mean, 
33 minutes, man. And yeah, he's got four of nine from the field and he he had a nice three, but really clutch five of six of his free throws, which are really big here in the tournament. I feel like we left uh, uh we left enough free throw like we left enough points on the on the court there. We needed free throws. Santos Silva was clutch. McCullough was clutch. Uh, McCullough was like really active on the defensive end too. And so it's just, ooh, you had you had a lot of auxiliary like stats from the really the, the good players you needed them from. Um, but as we look ahead, like there's going to be need that person just kind of like to feel like you can jade up at any minute and it's a bucket and not be stressed out until the last defensive, you know, hey. conundrum. Hey, but look, it, it, either way, it don't matter. Like you said, survive and advance. Texas Tech wins 59-53. That's better than we can say with some of our 10-12 our, uh, network counterparts, right? Um, big L from Baylor on the men and women's side. Both of them taking an L. The Baylor one, I had Baylor women in my final four, so – um, but I, I'll be wrong if I means I can light up the Baylor, the Baylor pack. That is that is perfectly okay. Um, so uh, you know, hey, sorry Evan, sorry Matt from between two bears. <laughs> yeah, big L's on that side. <laughs> yep. Uh, Texas playing Purdue right now as we're recording. That's a tight one. TCU playing Arizona right now as we're recording. That's another tight one. Shout out to Iowa State. Um, they were able to win their game. So pretty impressive win there. Um, but, you know, all the, it's great to see all these games played, all these teams getting it done in the NCAA tournament. Um, and out of the 68 teams in the NCAA tournament, 44 of them got swag at home field apparel. Right, home field apparel giving you some of the best, uh, just old school, you know, nice uh, shirts, old school, nice shirts. Uh, I just bought some a few weeks ago. I've already bragged about it already, and I wore it today during the game. So you already know it's a good luck charm right there, and you can get that same good luck charm by typing in the promo code TAKES12. T-A-K-E-S-1-2. That's takes 12 and get 15% off your first order. So you can get the good luck charm too. You got to get it by Thursday. At this point, you've already waited too long. If you waited this too long, this long to use our promo code to get swag. Now use that 15% that you're going to get off to put it in the next day shipping so you can have it by Thursday's game against Duke. Because it's going to be a big one. We need as much good luck as we can get against those Duke Blue Devils. So Tech does play Duke next. And... Talked about the big men. We talked about Kevin O'Banner. We talked about Bryson Williams. Well, Duke got some big men of their own, right? Starting with Paolo Bancaro, the stud. I mean, Duke always going to have some studs, and the studs this time is Paolo Bancaro. I'm a Rockets fan. Hopefully, by God, we have a top four pick this year. And, I, you know, listen, as a Rockets fan, I would love to have Paolo Bancaro on my team. He's a beast of a player. And if you watch this Duke-Michigan State game, you saw why. Sometimes... Sometimes he just got the ball, had a nice little drop step, turn, drop step, turn around, uh, floater. Had a, had a jump hook going. Uh, was able to hit a couple threes in this game. Paolo showed you every bit of why he's going to be a top four pick in the NBA draft. But I think the thing that's scary about Duke is it's not just Paolo. They got about they got two or three other guys that might get drafted in this game. Mark Williams, the big guy in the middle. He was really big for them, even though he did get hurt a little bit towards the end of the game. He, I mean, he's a behemoth down low. Wendell Moore Jr., he's their guard that settles everything down. This is a ridiculously talented Duke Blue Devils team. Kenzie, where all do they scare you at? It's it's tough to pick one specific spot. I mean, like you said, they, I mean, against Cal State Fullerton, all five guys had double digits. So it's just like, you know, you don't really know where to panic. I personally think... We can be okay down low. I think we're tough in the paint. We we held Gonzaga to their season low in the paint. 
I think we can hold it down there. My nerves come from much like this game, the outside shooting. Early in the Michigan State game, I mean, they were trading threes like it was nothing. And they were swishing them contested, not contested. It didn't matter where it was on the floor. They were dropping threes. So my fear is this team is going to heat up from outside and give us trouble and then maybe go down low and work us. It's it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough defensively. Well, the interesting thing about your comment when it comes to the threes, though, is that at, you're right. Early in the game against Michigan State, they were they were knocking them down. But then they started missing a few, and they just completely went away from it, right? Like, Duke is definitely that team that is going to try to go hot, but whenever it it cools down a little bit, they abandon it. And and, (laughs) listen, let me tell you something. As Notre Dame found out, abandoning a game plan does not work out very well against this Texas Tech team. Because if you start missing a couple threes and all of a sudden you abandon the game plan, look, that's probably the game plan that might be able to win you the game. So, So that actually, I think, actually may play well into our favor. Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Duke is looking down, uh, Duke looking at a team that is is number one in uh, the entirety of college basketball for points in the paint, the points in the paint advantage. Uh, Texas Tech's just uh, unbelievably good at limiting opposing points in the paint and then grabbing a bunch of their own. And obviously you watch uh, you watch the game tonight uh, or you watch the game yesterday and you think like, man, I don't know if we're going to be able to get some of those buckets because all those like layups we left on the court. But Texas Tech, I mean, <clears throat> Texas Tech can score 15 points in the paint, and that probably means the other team scored zero. Like, Texas Tech is really good at making that differential uh, differential massive. So if Duke, like, our, our ideal scenario is that Duke does not get hot, or they get hot, but then they get cold and they decide to abandon it, because where you want Duke... Despite the despite the quality on the roster, despite the NBA draft picks that they do, you want Duke to try to battle you down low. Uh, you want Duke to try to outmuscle you because I th- I guarantee you that you're not going to outwork this Texas Tech defense around like in, in the middle. There's just no way. Like this entire defense is built around that identity. You may get one or two possessions where you look like you're straight butter and you get into the easy layup, but that is not the like that is not the storyline for Texas Tech. There's a reason that Mark Adams is known. As like this defensive guru, it's a reason that Texas Tech is number one in the defensive Ken Palm. Um, there's a reason that Texas Tech holds all of these major like point getting teams to the lowest they've had in the season, pretty much. Like it's just a, it's an identity that has, has become like is bloomed. Um, and so for Duke, like what scares me is them getting hot and staying hot. Um, you know, Paolo Benchero is really good in the post, but like who are they going to have that's going to be making consistent threes? Uh, I mean, you look at Wendell Moore, um, that's a guy who can get a buck. You look at AJ Griffin as a guy who actually has a pretty high three point percentage, um, kind of like Bryson Williams. But, you know, it's going to take Duke, it's going to take a, a very special like game plan for Duke uh, to beat Texas Tech because, like you said, Abby, like if they abandon the three and try to go inside, that's to our advantage. Like that's where we can like get the, and then get the rebound, get the transition points. That could be really good for Tech. Yeah, I will say this. This will be a strength versus strength matchup. As we've said many times in this game or in on this pod, uh, Texas Tech's the number one defense in the country, according to Ken Palm and according to all of our what all of us have seen. <laughs> They're the best defense in the country. Duke, fourth ranked offense in the country, according to Ken Palm. They get points, right? This is a team that is not shy of getting points. Again, if you watch the Duke-Michigan State team, our game, you already know it. But, I mean, even this year, you know, 80, the hell, they scored 81 against North Carolina in a loss, 
right? They put up 80 against Miami, 88 against Syracuse, 86 against P- uh, Pittsburgh, 88 against Florida State, 82 against Clemson, 87 against North Carolina in their win, 84 against Gonzaga. Like this team scores points in a hurry and in a flurry. And they're going to, and listen, we, we can't go for six minutes without scoring against this team. It just can't happen. It just can't happen. Flip side of that, right? Texas Tech, according to Kempom, 44th ranked offense in, in, in the country. Duke, 44th ranked defense. So it's a pretty interesting matchup. Kenzie, what do you think about it? At the end of the day, I mean, this just kind of comes down to you can almost throw the stats out the window. It's it's March Madness. There's storylines. There's the whole Coach K storyline. That's kind of what this this Michigan State Duke game felt like. It didn't feel like a normal game. It felt like it was really influenced by Izzo versus Coach K. And I don't know. I don't really know what to make of this game. But all I know is, is that both of these teams have kind of had, you had Texas Tech looking really hot against Montana State. I wasn't super impressed with Duke against Cal State Fullerton. They weren't, they didn't really look great. They kind of pulled away late. So there's two teams who are kind of Jekyll and hiding their way in this tournament. And now they're just on a collision course. And I really don't know what to expect. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting is, is that both as though Duke scores a lot of points, you would always assume that their tempo is just fast. Like they're just going up and down the court, up and down the court. Um, not really. This is a team that because they have those bigs, they also play a lot in the half court. They're just a fairly efficient team in the half court. I think one thing that will be interesting in this game is – to see just, I mean, Duke played in what is probably the fourth or fifth best conference in the country. The ACC was really weak this year, right? Tech is going to be the best team Duke has played in three months. Really, how much is that going to affect them? Um, Kenzie, you bring up a great point about the storyline. And I was joking with my boss. My boss is actually, fun fact, my boss is a Duke grad. So this will be an interesting week at work for me. Um, but I was joking with her about the fact that Duke, it'd be interesting. The team that sends Coach K into retirement, right? The Davidson storyline would be funny, right? If Davidson was the one to do it because it'd be a small school from North Carolina beating the behemoth Duke, okay? Michigan State would have been an interesting one because of the the Izzo storyline. Gonzaga would be an interesting one because a lot of people are calling them the new Duke. Uh, But then you got little old Texas Tech. Out in Lubbock, West, out in Lubbock, Texas. Of all those teams, it would all of those would make sense, but then it's like, Texas Tech? I would love, love to be that team that sends Coach K away. For everybody to be like, oh, man, Coach K, greatest coach in college basketball history, just an amazing guy, won five championships, won 800 college basketball games. Who was the last team to beat him again? That's right. That's right. Us right here. It's. I think it's huge for us, right? I think it's huge for us. I will say I have said a thing. This is about Duke before the season. Is that when things get when the uh, it gets going rough, they've wiltered. They wiltered against North Carolina and in Coach K's last game ever, and our last home game. They wiltered against Virginia Tech and and the Big Twelve cha- in the or sorry in the ACC championship game, but they did not wilter against Michigan State here. And that's definitely a game. Five minutes ago, I thought, yep, this is it. This is when Duke did it, and they didn't. They came back. So as that team builds confidence, that does give me a little little pause, a little worry. Um, but flip side of it, Tech was able to pull through too. So it'll be interesting how that plays out. Yeah, especially now that we're traveling, we've got it's not it's not right a day of you know we got till Thursday, and so we're gonna be traveling a little bit north to San Francisco. Whole lot of variables here. You got 
I mean, man, how sweet would that be? Old little Mark Adams, last 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 coach that Coach K shakes hands with as he as he retires in his first in his first year. Mark Adams, all the people he's played. Woo. So, Kenzie, I do want to ask you this. So, when it comes to the tournament, it's a little nuanced in, in in how the tournament is played, right? Because the first game of the when you play a full tournament, you're going to play two games in a weekend. The first game, you have plenty of time to prepare. You're going to have four games. When we played Montana State, we had four games to prepare for Montana State. Problem with that second game is that when we played Notre Dame, we had two days to prepare for Notre Dame because we didn't know if we were going to play playing Alabama, Rutgers, or Notre Dame, right? And so now that we're playing Duke, we're going to have plenty of time to prepare for Duke. But then, flip side of that, we're not going to know who we play for the Elite Eight. So I do think it's going to be interesting to see now that Texas Tech is going to have a good four days, five days to prepare for Duke, what that in, or four days to prepare for Duke, what that is going to entail. I mean, what do you think? How do you think that's going to factor into this game and who has the advantage there between the two teams? I mean, I think fortunately for us, we obviously get all this time to plan for Duke. But on the flip side of that, we could be running into a team we've already played in Gonzaga. So I don't know if you want to call that an advantage that you've already seen them because they beat us. You know, we were a little bit shorthanded, but I don't know. Also, Gonzaga didn't look super convincing. I said it in the group chat last night that I I felt like the refs were protecting them a little bit. I mean, they were calling everything in the basket on the other end. They weren't calling it. I just, I don't know. I wasn't super convinced by Gonzaga. So, I mean, who knows? Arkansas could win that game. I mean, Arkansas has looked pretty bad themselves, but... I don't know. I mean, I think it's 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 fortunate that we get to play in for Duke, but I do think we're in a good enough position that if it does turn around and we play Gonzaga, we have, you know, we have that game plan already since we played them. Well, we were talking about strength on strength. Luckily, I mean, Gonzaga actually is very similar play style and, 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 and talent level to Duke, and they're the number one offense in the country. Move over, Purdue. Gonzaga at the very last minute. Pasha is the number one offense in the country right there. So that'll be definitely interesting to see how that plays out. As far as on Texas Tech side, I know everybody's worried as far as how Tech played against Notre Dame. Jeremy brought up a really great point about the team that won the tw- that shouldn't have won, but did win the 2019 National Championship uh, in Virginia. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Um, I think how you talk about a basketball team and Kinsey kind of brought it up. It's just madness. How you talk about a basketball team during the season um, is a, should be a lot different than how you talk about them during the tournament. Uh, because number one, the just bang, bang, back to back, then you're traveling, bang, bang, back to back, you're traveling, you know, like just this, the nature of this grind with teams you have now probably didn't play um, during the year. Uh, and you've got short time to, you know, manifest a game plan against. That's just it, it is a grind. There's a reason like this is called March Madness because really anything can happen. And if we think back to the 2019 season uh, with Virginia, uh, if you're feeling wary, Texas Tech, think back. Join me back in the pain before it was pain. Uh, Virginia comes into the NCAA tournament really red hot. I mean, everybody's like, damn, it's like, this is the team. And they come out, Gardner-Webb, smack them. 71-56, see ya. Uh, then they play Oklahoma, which the scoreline doesn't really tell the closeness of that game. They went 63-51, but it really felt like Oklahoma had a good chance there coming out of the half. And for most of the second half until, you know, Virginia's defense really stifled them and then Oklahoma just went on a, a, a scoring drought. And then in the Sweet 16, 
Virginia plays Oregon. Now, this game, I, I remember distinctively watching Virginia after this because I was like, damn, Oklahoma almost got them. Surely somebody will get them. And I think a lot of the nation, I think a lot of fans were thinking the same thing. Oregon, they beat them 53-49 on some questionable calls there at the end and on some really good shooting um, and just crumpling by Oregon. Okay, whatever. Then they play Purdue. And Purdue gets it tied up very late in the game. And it's an overtime. And boy, it feels like Purdue has all the momentum. But Virginia gets the win. And then the very controversial game against Auburn. My friends, my my Auburn friends, I feel you still. Um, the like very last second, uh, was it a foul? Was it three? Like all these like questions. But they win 63 to 62. And then they advance to the national championship game against Texas Tech, which we take them to overtime. And then, you know, Should have won. the fingertip, all of these things. You know, the, uh, Kyle Gack trips over himself and suddenly Davide Moretti's a bad guy. <laughs> like all of these factors that you look at, like, that is just ridiculous. How the he- well, guess what? Virginia is the 2019 national championship team. And they may have looked stupid getting there. But they're there. And so Texas Tech fans, just because you beat Notre Dame uh, with like a really weird defensive segment at the end of the game, McCuller dunking, like because you had to stress out for like 48 or uh, stress out for the majority of the game there, um, doesn't matter because we won and we're going to the Sweet 16. This is a survive and advance tournament. This isn't a how good do you look throughout the tournament. Nobody cares. Okay. So Texas Tech is Sweet 16 bound. I don't care how they perform against Duke. As long as we come out with one point ahead, that's all I care about. Absolutely. Survive and freaking advance. Uh, luckily, if you go to our guy, Adam Goldman, the franchise coach, you don't got to survive. He's just going to let help you flourish. He's going to help you be great. Franchise coach Adam Goldman has already helped Red Raiders be great in themselves and really expand their portfolio, make more money, and get whatever franchises they need, but do it seamlessly and do it easy. So make sure to hit up my guy, Adam Goldman, franchisecoach.net. And you want to know the tortillas and takes promo code? There is no promo code because he does it for free. You ain't even got to pay the guy. He's just going to take commission on the back end. So it's even better. Nothing comes out of your wallet there. Adam Goldman, the franchise franchise coach at franchisecoach.net. So as I always ask, Kenzie, before we, but for us to pop bottles, for us to go down a field of gold sellers and pop bottles because we're going to the Elite Eight, who has to be the guy to step up in this game against Duke for us to get that W? I mean, I think the the easy person to lean on is is Terrence Shannon, but we obviously don't know what's going on with him. We don't know if something flared up or if it was something that got him in the doghouse. We just don't know. So I'm going to turn and say Davion Warren. I'm going to get Jeremy riled up. My dog is agreeing with me. She's squeaking her ball. She says, yeah, Davion Warren, for <laughs> sure. I think she's trained, people. <laughs> she's trained. That is, Look at that. That is true. Good she Lord. she was trained. $3,000 spent. Not a great time. Anyways, Davion Warren, <laughs> I think it's a guy that I think he ha- I think he's capable. I mean, he's a guy that knows how to score. He doesn't he dishes the ball out well. He plays great defense. I want to see Davion Warren come out and have a game. I want to see him get four or five buckets in this game against Duke. D- Listen, Davion Warren I mean, it's a great call out. I think if Davion Warren, especially if if we have a certain situation where Terrence Shannon can't, doesn't play as many minutes as we hope to, we need a guy that can get can get a bucket. And Davion Warren, has, he's that guy. He's that guy that is an is a uh, on ball scorer. 
can just take it, kind of do hit a nice little hezzing step back into a, a mid-range jumper. He needs to be that guy. Um, I will say, speaking of a guy that can do that, Adonis Arms, he had a nice little in and out to a step back in this game where I was like, oh, Donnie, Donnie don't hurt him. Uh, so I just I just need somebody else to kind of really be be that offensive guy. Listen, I think against Duke, and I know that we don't usually put up 97 points like we did against Montana State. I think against Duke, we're going to have the ability to be able to put points on the board, right? I talked about all the points that Duke scores. Let me tell you all the points that they let up, right? They gave up 76 points to Miami, 79 points to Syracuse, 94 points to North Carolina. They gave up 94 points in Coach K's last ever home game. They gave up seven, uh, uh, um, 72 points to Syracuse again, gave up 74 points to Wake Forest. Uh, you know, just this is a team, 78 points, of, or gave up 79 points to Florida State, 73 points to NC State. They're going to give up points. And so we're going to have that advantage. We're going to be able to get in rhythm. We just cannot allow ourselves to get, get into a, a stretch where we don't put up, uh, we're not putting up uh, shots and we're not driving to the lane. It's going to be, they, Duke has been known to give up kind of an Olay defense there and we're going to have to take advantage of it. Also, can't, uh, can't be begging refs for calls. Coach K's last game, I, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. So with that, with that, I'm I'm gonna go ahead. I, oh, I don't know if I, I didn't say my guy, but Donnie is my guy. I'm saying Donnie Adonis Arms. I think he's have a really good game because he's gonna be able to. He's gonna get, get be given that freedom to play a little bit looser. And when he's loose, he's scary. Uh, Jeremy, anybody else you have? Kevin O'Banner. I think that something that Duke does has been doing to teams is bullying them around getting rebounds. Of course, it starts with Ben Chero because he's a monster. But there's a lot of good rebounders on Duke's team. And so I need, like, I will need Kevin O'Banner. Something we praised about him throughout different points in the season is his ability to fill up the stat sheet if he's not getting points. Um, so whether he's, like, getting threes or not, um, because it does sound like we're going to have a pretty good offensive production this game, uh, should Duke not change up their lack of defense here? Uh, eh, you never know. O'Banner's a guy who really fights for the rebounding. And there were some, t- like, there were some, uh, there were some, uh, plays there were some times this tonight there were times against notre dame where like nobody was going for the rebound and that is so frustrating to see because we are supposed to be a physical team and one of the most one of the greatest things to see throughout the season is like o'banner fighting for rebounds because he's really good he's a really high q back where he's got a really good idea about geometry let me tell you that much he knows where the ball is going to be makes a good makes a good move on it and usually puts himself in between um, in between the defender and the ball. And so I just think O'Banner is just going to be key in this game for keeping Duke out of second chance points, which is that will be killer, I think. That's a good pickup. I mean, like, listen, I think if O'Banner has, if he has another 15 and 15 night, whew, put his jersey in the rafters. I tweeted earlier that MSS, there you go. hang MSS's jersey in the rafters, <laughs> put it right beside O'Banner. If O'Banner has another 15 and 15 night, we get to beat Duke, right? This is revenge for 2019. Shout out to my boy, Norrence. Um, I know he wants revenge for 2019, and this is a much better way to get it. Absolutely. So, uh, Jeremy, is there anything else you want to say to the people? Yes. Oh, actually, before we... That's an edit point. Well, edit point, we yeah, predictions. forget me. That's fine. Yeah, no, no it's okay. <laughs> um, well, you want to say anything, Jeremy? Ah, never mind. Let's talk about something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, So, So, Jeremy, again... What is your field of gold prediction on this game? Texas Tech, Duke, Sweet 16. 
this is going to be a great game. I think uh, the, the storylines, the energy, um, but I put my faith in Mark Adams with time. We've seen a couple times throughout the season, Mark Adams have time to prepare for an opponent. That is a bad news for that opponent because what we're going to be looking at is a lot of tape on Benchero because he has been kind of like the guy late in, late in the season. Like he's their points getter. He gets the rebounds, you know. I think we... I think Tech will do a really good job at taking him out of the game. So it's going to come down to who is going to step up. Uh, I can't say. I don't care to say. But I think that I feel good about Texas Tech having time to prepare. So give me Texas Tech uh, scoring 75 and keeping Duke to 72. Ooh, I'm proud of you, Jeremy. That was actually a, a really good prediction, score prediction right there. Didn't look at any we haven't played them before, so I didn't. That's right. I was surprised. Actually, let me go and check the score from 2019 and see what it, see what it is. All right, uh, Kenzie, what about you? What, what is your field of gold prediction? I think I'm looking for this game to be mucky and gross and turned into a sort of rock fight. I know you can't completely drag Duke into a rock fight. But, I mean, when you look at the the stat sheet and what they did against Virginia Tech, they were like 20% from three. They had three guys barely in double digits. I think they're going to try and find a way to do that. Texas Tech does a good job of taking away your star players. Like Jeremy said, forcing it elsewhere. We don't know who that's going to be. But it doesn't matter. We just need to make this game ugly. And I think we've gone through enough of these close games and these heartbreaking endings and these confusing endings we figured it out. I think the Notre Dame game showed us we figured it out. And I think we're just tougher than Duke. I think we are going to win this game. I think it's going to be a little more high scoring. I'm going to say like 82-75. Texas Tech. 82 points. From the, from Texas Tech? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Red Raiders? 82 points. Um, so, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. This is, I've watched a lot of Duke, Duke uh, games. For those that don't know, I grew up a Duke fan, and I, I, I said I grew up a Duke fan. I'm still a Duke fan. I still I still watch a lot of Duke games. I like I like them a lot. Um, obviously, I'm not I'm obviously rooting for the Raiders in this one, but um, this is a Duke team that I have followed, and this is a Duke team that last game against Michigan State, Michigan State pushed them to the wire, but that's probably the best close one of the best closeouts I've seen of this Duke team play all year. Right? They they looked really good in their last game, uh, but. One thing I've noticed, teams a lot of the times don't play great back to back, right? It's something something about it. As you can tell, Texas Tech played great against Montana State and then really struggled against uh, Notre Dame. Texas Tech also had a great matchup against Montana State. Not so good matchup against Notre Dame. Against Duke, I actually think we match up really well. Uh, going into the tournament, when I was when I was filling it out, I actually had this scenario happening where Texas Tech was going to play Duke. And the main reason why I had Texas Tech moving on to the Elite Eight was because I thought this was a really good matchup for us. Listen, on paper, Duke was the weakest of the two seeds, right? How there was an argument that they technically could even be a four seed. They haven't, I've already mentioned it before, they haven't really played anybody real in three months. That The conference is not very good. Texas Tech would have won the ACC if we were playing in the ACC. And so I, um, this Duke team, doesn't really scare me that much. Paolo Bancaro scares me. He's a beast. He's a good player. But what has Texas Tech done all year? Take your best player, your star player, and limit him as much as possible. And I think limiting a star big. Now, Paolo Bancaro is really good at being on the perimeter and playing a little bit less big than some other guys. But 
limiting him to a certain way will be advantageous. Also, Paolo ain't the best defender. So getting so if Paolo has to get beat up by Bryson Williams and beat up by Kevin O'Banner, that may limit him on the offensive side as well. Um, and I feel a lot more comfortable saying, you know what, Wendell Moore, you know what, Mark Williams, you know what, Roach, uh, uh, y'all are going to have to beat us. It ain't going to be that guy. And I, and I feel a lot more confident in that. And so with that, I am going to pick Texas Tech to win. I'm going to go lower scoring than both of y'all. I'm going to actually, I'm going to go in a close one, 70-65. 70-65. So, um, which, I mean, like I said, holding Duke to that low would be absolutely fantastic. Um, Duke doesn't usually, doesn't get a lot of dubs when they score that low either. So, uh, I'm definitely putting the pressure on them that defense travels, defense will be out there. And all those, all Red Raider faithful was out there in San Diego pretty tough. Y'all go ahead and stay out there another week and just drive up to San Francisco because we're going to need it. Uh, anything else you want to say to the people, Jeremy? No. No, thank you. Ready for the next round. What about you, Kenzie? Anything else you want to say to the people? Uh, take it easy. It's been a tough it's been a tough weekend for everybody. Listen, we're going to the Sweet 16. Rest up. Get ready to to drink responsibly on Thursday, and we're gonna turn Duke into Dookie. <laughs> nice. With the accent. <laughs> into Duque. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, this this is going to be a very high-pressure game. Um, it doesn't get more pre- – more. there's not, there's not more, any more pressure than having to play Coach K in what could be his final game ever. Um, so, But it will definitely be interesting, and I'm excited for it. I'm excited. This is what these guys came here for. It's going to be an exciting challenge, and I'm, I'm ready to be just as anxious and as nervous as I was today. So um, – for Mrs. Girl Power herself, Kenzie Garcia, and for the People's Champ, Jeremy Gillen, this is Albie Shore, and you have been listening to Tortillas and Takes Podcast. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.